Have you ever experienced or gone through a traumatic event or season of life? Maybe you identify with having or currently going through post-traumatic stress disorder or PTSD. Well, if you identify with either of those statements, you are going to love today's episode. I got to interview my friend, Nikki Kenward, who is an instructor to me and a mentor, and she experienced her own gut journey starting with a traumatic physical trauma to her body. She's now a leading expert on her area in London and teaches around the world on how to heal your gut. If you are interested in how Nikki goes about in a unique way to heal her gut from trauma, you better listen in. This episode is for you. Welcome to the Better Belly Podcast, where we find freedom from food restrictions, we increase energy in our lives, and we begin to feel healthy and vibrant again by finding the root cause of our gut health problems. My name's Allison Jordan, marathon runner, functional medicine practitioner, certified craniosacral therapist, gut health nerd, lover of Jesus, and owner of the Better Belly Therapies, a clinic based in Ann Arbor, Michigan that works with both virtual and local clients to help them achieve the best health of their life. I am here to walk with you on your journey to a better belly and a better life. We're going to go beyond popping a probiotic and checking out our poop. In this show, we are going to go deep into gut transformation strategies that last for life. If you're ready to feel your best, get ready to roll. You are in the right place. Awesome. So welcome to the Better Belly Podcast. Today we have Nikki Kenward on with us. She's coming all the way from London. Okay, actually she's still in London. I'm so pumped to have her with us, you guys. She is actually one of my instructors, one of my teachers that has brought me to where I am at, and she is such a wealth of knowledge. Nikki, I'm so excited to have you on today. Oh, thank you. I'm absolutely delighted to be here and loved having you in my class in America. Was it last year, this year? Uh, It was this year, but it was was before quarantine. (laughs) Like another lifetime. That's exactly what it feels like. So Nikki, I would love for you to start off in sharing what do you do and who do you do it for? Okay, so I am, I suppose, at my core, an up-ledger craniosacral therapist, have been for 25 years, and uh, I'm also an international healthcare educator for the Institute, so I've been teaching this work internationally for about 15 years, which I love. Mm-hmm. Um, You're and, a wonderful teacher too. <laughs> oh, thank you. Well, I love that interaction with a class. It just really feeds my soul. So when I'm not practicing and teaching, then I also love dancing, circus. I'm a performer and a poet and an author. So I have that aspect, which uh, makes it really fun to teach as well. I love the interaction. Yes, uh, you, you're hugely creative. Which, <laughs> yeah. I mean, and that's your background too, dance. Or exactly. Theater. Originally, my background was a degree in dance, contemporary dance. So I, I love to keep that side of things going along. <laughs> Because that keeps me alive. It's something that I need. Yeah. I love it. And you really integrate a lot of this like whole understanding of the body in how you treat the gut, correct? Absolutely. So although I can be very gut focused now, as you well know, it's part of the whole body and actually responds to our whole body and our whole life all the time. 
So it really is so important and central to everything about us, our mental and physical well-being. Tell me more about that. So, I mean, you just said something really big, like the gut is connected to every part of our body. Can you, can you just dig into that a little bit and share mm. some, some things you're, you're referring to there? Well, the gut, of course, it's, it's massive, isn't it? It's not just this little bit in the stomach in the lower stomach. It's not just a tube that the poo goes through, (laughs) which a lot of people think it is, right? It ought to be held in and invisible. And that's kind of the Western notion of our belly. Whereas if you look at the Eastern philosophies, if you were looking at Buddhism, Taoism, yoga in its best form, I would say the gut, the lower Dantian, is the center of all emotional and spiritual growth. And that's where any students in those practices would be asked to focus on in their meditation. So how can we then not pay attention to this? So we have this amazing system that goes from our mouth all the way through the esophagus, stomach, small intestine, large intestine, out through the anus. And it's embedded with this incredible nervous system all of its own called the enteric nervous system. And that responds moment by moment to what's happening in the rest of the body, to the nutrients, the food we put in. But so much more than that, it responds to our lives, our stress levels, Mm. our history, and it's like the outside world coming in. It will also register moment by moment how safe we feel. Wow. I mean, and the funny thing is, is Nikki, as you share this, it's stuff I know you teach it so well, though, like moment by moment. That's a lot of data. It's massive, isn't it? (laughs) It's like, how safe do I feel now? A lot safer now that I can hear you and you can hear me. But you know, all the time without me thinking about that consciously, I've got this program running in my body and an awful lot of it is in my gut. Awesome. I mean, and another thing you mentioned, which I'm not sure all of our listeners are familiar with this, is the enteric nervous system. Tell us more about that. Like, so it's a nervous system. And how does it compare to another, like, let's just say our central nervous system, right? That's the one people know of. It's our brain and our spinal cord. But the enteric nervous system, is it similar? Is it different? Tell us more. Well, it's really similar, actually, more similar than we ever thought. So it's very much connected into our central nervous system. However, it can also make its own decisions. So it has as many neurons as we have in our spinal cord. It's embedded in the whole of this long tube I was talking about. Yeah. And it's a complex modern data processing center to the extent that people often refer to it as you know as the second brain yes yes and there's a wonderful book called the second brain although it's admittedly yeah. very dense <laughs> but have determination yeah oh, but yeah. very good book and the enteric nervous system it runs the gut it is the gut yes. it can't be it's not separated it, it's completely um, integrated it's completely embedded in the layers of that long tube it's having conversations all the time with the hormones in the gut, with the nutrients that come in, with the gut bacteria. So our gut is a very, very busy place where we have all these incredible conversations going on about what to do with everything and what needs to happen next. So our enteric system is, of course, involved with the movement, the peristalsis, which is so important to get things moving through the tube. But it's again, it's more than that, because if we don't feel safe, if our nervous system is not in a happy place, then it's not going to send the right messages. 
What are some, and because a lot of our listeners, like they're trying to make sense of I'm having these symptoms. Is it the food I ate? What's going on? Like, what are some symptoms that you're thinking of when you say those signals aren't like the peristalsis, which is a muscular, coordinated muscular movement of that tube that pushes everything in a organized fashion? What are some of the signals that can go wrong? And what are some symptoms some people might be feeling um, if that's not going right? Yeah, all kinds of things. I mean, constipation is a huge issue for a lot of people. Yeah. Um, when things are just not being moved through, and that's really unhealthy for us physically, mentally. It's potentially setting us up for all kinds of neurological diseases as well, like Alzheimer's and Parkinson's. But other symptoms are bloating, cramping, nausea, diarrhea, and maybe a whole lot of um, a mixture. A lot of people run the gamut from one extreme to the other, especially with the very common irritable bowel syndrome. You right. One day, then be bloated, then be constipated for a few days. So it's very confusing, very hard to know what to do, and really horrible. You know, you and I both know that if your gut isn't working well, you just feel miserable. There's so, and there's so many reasons for it. Everything from if your gut's yeah. not feeling well, it's just going to send signals to the brain that's just saying, hey, we're not doing well here, boss. And the brain's like, what? Yeah. To it being impaired and giving you the nutrients you need or creating yeah. inflammation systemically. So, exactly. Of course, they're very tied up together. So if I'm stressed, say chronically stressed, then that is going to give me a lot of maybe bloating, diarrhea, constipation. Hmm. But that stress and all of that is going to be creating inflammation in the gut. It's going to create tension and strain patterns there. I'm not going to be able to absorb the food that I eat well anyway. So everything becomes a kind of vicious circle, I think. Right. In that example, it's not as much about the food you're eating, but the yeah. state in which you're eating it. <laughs> Exactly. Because then if your nervous system is often um, in fight and flight, if you're not able to really relax and get into your rest and digest part of your system, your enteric system's not going to be happy because it's connected to all of that. Mm. So yeah, not just what you eat. Awesome. Well, Nikki, I feel like we've created this great picture um, that I'm hoping is maybe just elucidating some new thoughts and ideas on how the gut works for people. But I don't want to leave us there. Like we've just discussed some like all the ways it can maybe go wrong or complications. (laughs) But can you tell us how do you work with the gut? What solutions have you created or what are some of the things that you are doing that are helping people out of that dysfunction? Sure. So I think the big aha moment for me was probably a gradual thing leading up to an aha moment over years <laughs> was that the bottom line is our emotional status. Hmm. And that to me was the revelation for the work that I do. You can eat avocado, you can cut out sugar, and all those things are great. You can see a nutritional therapist and all of those things I do. However, if you don't look at the emotional state which then will tell you how your enteric nervous system is functioning, what tension and strain you have in your gut, then you might as well carry on eating McDonald's, really, for all the difference it's going to make. Or maybe that's a bit extreme, but you know what I'm getting at. Yes, Um, yes. You have to do the emotional work as well. So how do I work? 
I do a lot of emotional work with people anyway. So by educating myself on the anatomy and physiology of the gut, by learning to palpate all the different aspects of it with my hands, so my hands are more informed, I aim to hold a safe space for all those parts of the gut so that I can facilitate their unwinding, their release, the rebalancing, whatever it is that it needs. And, and maybe emotional memories will come up for people they often do in a very gentle and safe way. And then by doing all of that, which is hands-on, as you know, then the gut can begin to function better. This is super fascinating. Actually, it makes sense to me, but I don't think all of our listeners know that all 100% of what craniosacral therapy is. So yeah. what, what, with uh, your mentioning working with people's emotions with your hands, which might be yeah. a new concept to people, tell yeah. us more about that. Yeah, what's, what's going on? Tell maybe even a little brief on what is craniosacral therapy and from there, how are you applying it? Sure, because this really, this gut work is an extension of the curriculum of craniosacral therapy before I made this new development. And craniosacral so, therapy, I mean, there, there's people all across the world who do what you do, correct? Absolutely. In many, many different countries of the world, uh, there are lots of us, which is a great thing. So craniosacral therapy is working with the body and the tissues of the body. But the big thing that Dr. John Upledger, who created this work, recognized was that our emotional history is stored in our body, not just in a file in our brain where we remember an event or not, case may be, but in all our tissues. So it's an unusual concept for some people, as you rightly point out. But you know yourself, if somebody comes into your office who's really, really angry and het up, how tense their tissue will be, how tense their body, their shoulders, maybe their jaw. (laughs) And if that anger is hung on to and they can't tell us about it or nothing happens to change it, we know that they're going to end up with all this tension in their tissue, muscles, connective tissue, nerves. So we all experience this and it become history in our body. It just stays. All these events, you know, we fall off our tricycle and we get told off by a teacher. All of that, we get divorced, we get bullied, we have different challenges. And this creates a history. It's like our biography becomes our biology, which I know Mm. is a bit of an often quoted saying, but it's really says it like it is. Can you say it one more time, actually? Because even though you've heard it a lot, I actually haven't even heard it a lot. And I'm sure our listeners, it might be new. So say that one more time for us. It's really good. So our biography, our whole life story becomes our biology. Can you actually dig into that for a moment? Because this is potentially a key that someone might take and unlock. You know, I know it's unlocked some doors for me. And actually, Nikki, I was someone who was like, I went to counseling. I did meditation. I did yoga. I tried to be as healthy as possible, but found that craniosacral therapy was a really big game changer for me because of what you're talking about. This, mm-hmm. our biography becomes our biology. Mm-hmm. Dig into that for us. Sure. Well, I think one reason we often need a craniosacral therapist with hands-on to help facilitate the discovery of awareness of this emotional history and the impact it's having having on our body, on our biology, is that we can do all those wonderful things, you know, and I do, you know, meditation, yoga, and that's all great. But sometimes we can't just get to something, we can't get to the bottom of something. And that is usually because 
at the time of whatever this something was, maybe it was overwhelming, maybe it was an event that happened when we were a child, for example, and we didn't have the words, we couldn't articulate to anybody what was going on, we didn't understand it, maybe there was no adult carer around who was interested enough to help us. Hmm. And so we end up, these big emotions we were feeling, they don't go away, we're just left with them. And I think, you know, adults have that experience sometimes. Maybe you have a big event, you're overwhelmed. You've got nobody around, no friend who can just really listen and allow you to share that. So you very much feel you're left with it, don't you? And so you can imagine as a child or a baby, you're stuck with all this stuff, literally, and you hold on to it. It gets held on to in, in your body. Right. It changes, changes our cells. We get hormones that get laid out. And then our cells say, okay, we, we've had this traumatic event. And it never gets to let go of yes. those hormones and the toxins. And it just replicates it. Exactly. And we get tight muscle patterns. And as you say, then the organs don't function well mm. and we don't understand. And until we have a safe pair of hands that understands that, you know, we can have all the massages we like and there's nothing wrong with that. That's fantastic. But to have a pair of hands which creates a safe enough space and has a sensitive enough palpation to find those places, to allow those places to come into the hands so that that person then suddenly on the couch may say, oh, you know, I remember when blah, 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 or, (laughs) oh, I'm suddenly feeling sad, or I've got this overwhelming feeling of emotion, and maybe they don't know what it's about. But, and I'll just say, well, that's really normal, it's really natural, it's all through the hands, it's through your body, just allow yourself to be with it, if that's okay. And often that's all that is needed, maybe a little more dialoguing, And then the emotional load of that event or whatever happened is able to go. And it's only then that the muscle or the cells or the connective tissue or the nerves or the organ can go, okay, I don't have to hold on to that anymore. And they can physically relax. The cells can physically rebalance. So it's a real big physiological change in the body that can't happen until the emotional work is done. Right, right. And I just love this this concept of thinking about the body as an emotional whole. Like we don't only store memories and experiences, emotions in our conscious brain. Our whole body is designed to talk to each other because the hand and the liver and the foot need to all kind of know, like, how are we doing today? Are we gangrenous? Like, is there an infection? Are we upset? Are we healthy? Are we safe? Or is this a bad time to process what's going on? Because even one thing that stuck out to me, Nikki, is you said, well, maybe we didn't have a friend to support us. Well, sometimes when we're mm-hmm. children, our frontal lobe doesn't know how to ask for help. <laughs> like, exactly. or, or we're an adult and something happens and it, there's just not enough time, right? It's yeah. like maybe there's a death, but then you're also moving, right? Like you just yeah. almost can't practically fit in all the emotional work and your body says, okay, now is a bad time to process these emotions, but there's all these hormones raging and we're just going to hold on to this and we're going to store it for later when it's safe. But then the conscious brain gets separated from it because the conscious brain says that happened uh, two years ago and um, we're fine. (laughs) And we logically talk ourselves out, but the gut 
the gut is totally different. It, yeah. It's like, no, 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 no. It's like our, I don't know. I don't know if you'd say this is okay, but like the little brother who's more sensitive and says, no, no, hey guys, we're still, something happened. Yes, I think that's absolutely right. And of course, when you think even the brain in the head, where people often think that's where all our memories are stored, and of course they are stored there as well. However, 80% of what our brain does, of the activity in the brain, comes through our senses. So it's not just what we see and hear and touch and taste and smell, but it's also from interoception. Which oh, is that- say that one more time. Actually, <laughs> what I'm is that word? Interoception. Intero, interoception. Interoception. I-N-T-E-R-O-ception. And that is our felt sense of our internal world. And so, that so, is- so there is like, this is mind blowing. <laughs> I mean, and I know this, the first time I heard it, which was a few years ago, I mean, I was like, wait, someone's validating that yeah. I can have a sense of my inner self of yes. like my inner well being. Yes. And there's a uh, word for it. <laughs> for it. And it's a word. So all the time, messages, just as you were saying, are going from our organs, everything inside, up to the brain in the head as well as from all the other senses that we tend to think about and be more familiar with. So um, our whole body is responding to our lives all the time. Um, The brain in the head is not separate. Most of what it does, 80%, is from what comes in through our senses. Wow. And what you just said was that on top of our five main senses that we typically think of, we actually, our sixth sense might not be our intuition. And maybe maybe we have a seventh sense. (laughs) I mean, it depends on how we're counting here. But maybe it's that internal gut feeling, which people say, I have a gut feeling all the time, but the science-y word is interoception. Absolutely. But we do have another sense as well, of course. We have two more senses. Oh, gosh. Tell me more. I I need to know this. We have extroception. Okay. And I'm not quite sure what that is, but I, so I wish I hadn't mentioned it now, but I think Oh dear. <laughs> <laughs> so you can look that one up, but also we have proprioception, yes. which is our sense of where our body is in space. So I think we have eight senses. Yes. And proprioception can get thrown off also by trauma, PTSD, um, on an emotional level. And there's other studies going on and we might not dive in as much right now, but for our listeners to know that this emotional work you're going through, and you actually probably might even have stories of this. You've been working for people for a long time, but I know I've seen clients, their balance is maybe a little off. Their sense of self and space is a little off, maybe bump into things, seem to be clumsy. And when you do this emotional work, it's because our body will try to separate ourselves from, it's a safety mechanism to say, I'm going to distance myself from the outside world to kind of dull the my stimuli but then our proprioception which is our sense of self in the world so where's my elbow where's my toe that can get thrown off and and that's something that is actually looked at deeper when it comes to in psychological health have you had any experiences with clients on that level hugely and personally so i used to teach the sensory integration class for the institute which is all about the sensory processing from all these senses And one of the the kind of the core thing about it was that any sensory dysfunction, like balance being a bit off, is a stress disorder. Wow. It's body under stress, whether it's a baby, a child, an adult, and it can be thrown off any time in our lives. 
So it doesn't matter when it can happen and you must see it too. People have car accidents or a horrible divorce or something and their sensory, um, their senses do not integrate well. They don't work well together. Mm. And that creates huge anxiety. It throws off our nervous system and it throws off our gut. So yes. Take <laughs> you know, and I had a scuba diving accident, which I think I shared with you at class about 15 years ago. Yeah, tell our listeners. Yeah. So I nearly drowned. It's like 60 foot under in cold water um, 15 years ago. And obviously I didn't. I survived. But I ended up with PTSD because it was really terrifying. And the worst part of the PTSD ongoing was the gut, which was kind of where I got inspired. What am I going to do about this? You know, I'm doing everything. I had cancelling, the diet, blah, 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 blah. Gut wasn't playing at all. But interestingly, I, my proprioception was completely skewed because of that accident. So I couldn't lie down in bed for six months because I thought I was going to fall off the face of the earth. Oh, oh, that's so, and ah, it's so miserable. Yeah, complete panic. It was like, (gasps) so I did sleep, but I slept sitting up, you know. Okay. Um, But yeah, and if I was driving down a hill, I thought my car would go off into space. So I couldn't drive down hills. I mean, in all kinds of ways, my sensory integration was wrong, and especially my proprioception. So your proprioception and your gut. Yes. Yeah. And I don't think I remember that about your story with the proprioception. I think I remember you sharing about the gut. What were some of your gut symptoms? Oh, well, I'd wake up nausea, diarrhea, cramping. And it wasn't about the food. No. Did you try any diet changes? I don't know if I remember that from your story. So you tried diet changes? Yeah. I mean, I, you know, I wasn't eating sugar. I was, yeah, I was on a healthy diet anyway. It was all tied up with the trauma and, and flashbacks and all of that. You know, I'm, I think I was in fight and flight and sometimes in freeze. And, and obviously my gut knew that. <laughs> At the time, did you know that? Because I'm curious, I feel like some of our listeners, like we think, oh, I woke up and I was nauseated or I have diarrhea. Maybe it's something I ate. But at the time, you were just like, you didn't, weren't aware of that connection between the trauma, the gut and the dizziness or like the proprioception well, problem. I think I, I think I knew it wasn't my food. In okay. fact, I didn't like <laughs> Sure. Because it was too regular, because it started after the accident, you know, and because of how I felt with it. So, yeah, I think I always knew there was a connection, but I didn't know how to deal with it. I didn't know what to do. I thought, well, I'm going to see a counsellor, you know, I'm getting acupuncture, this, that and the other. But somehow there was always a missing piece of the puzzle that I couldn't quite figure out. Okay, I'm ready then. To, so this is so sad, but what's the good part of it? Can you take us to the, the change in your story then? What was that oh, missing piece? So the missing piece was making a direct relationship with my gut and realizing that I have this amazing nervous system there, that it was holding on to this emotional history, that I still didn't feel safe. You know, it was those realizations and then just really spending time with my hands on. That's when I began to learn more about the anatomy and physiology of it. But I also would just say, yes. Okay, specifically of the gut. Specifically of the gut. And I would put my hands on and just try things out. Hmm. So you put your hands on your own belly. 
Yeah. You you didn't go to any other practitioner because nobody was really going to like probably do this in the unique way that you were going to. Yeah. And I just listened. I just figured I need to listen. And you were already a craniosacral therapist at this point, correct? Okay. But I just didn't know how to get to that. And what I realized was that I was being cross with my gut was like, no, not again. Oh, you know, I'd wake up feeling sick again. I think, oh, for heavens, you just want it to stop. Sure, yes. So I didn't have a good relationship with any any. <laughs> oh, that's so funny. I uh, also feel like I have been cross with my gut. I, yeah. <laughs> I feel like I'm like guilty. <laughs> okay, so you were, you were crossed with your gut. What did you do about that? Well, I had to learn to show it compassion and understanding. And that piece of self-compassion is a huge piece, I found. It was very pivotal for me and for the people that come to me with their gut stuff. For example, um, so for me, that was the beginning of my journey to better gut health and, um, and to the work I developed. But it was really interesting, just came into my mind, there was a girl I was treating who had Ehlers-Danos Syndrome, EDM. Yeah. And um, she had massive gut problems. So she was being tube fed. She was in a wheelchair. You know, things were pretty bad for her at that time. And it took her months to even want to put her hand on her own gut. Never mind talk to it with anything other than an angry voice. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> just, you know, it was like the divorce had already happened. Oh yeah, like yeah, I'm I'm disowning you. <laughs> yeah, completely. And is that actually at first it was impossible for her to do this work? Hmm. So you had her put her hands on her own belly then? Yes. Oh, and interesting. It didn't go well at all, though. Not not at first. So with that particular case, I needed to do some work just myself, and she would tell me how she felt, and then we do it'll all start rumbling away, and that was a good thing. Yes, we know. Just so our listeners know, gurgling is a super good sign. We love it. Lots of peristalsis. Yes. One thing that I love, Nikki, that I don't know if you do, I'm actually, do you do this? I listen for the different pitches. Like, is it, is it high? Is it low? And there's like, how long does it last? There's so much vocabulary of the gut. Yes. Maybe there's a whole musical expansion thing. We do. <laughs> I mean, you you can be the About choreographer. <laughs> I will find I will find somebody else to be the director. <laughs> yeah, that would be amazing. So um, absolutely. So that would all start to happen. It was only after things started to improve for her in terms of how she felt, and then she started to have periods of time without the tube, and in the end. After 18 months, she was eating normally and there was no food. That was fantastic. But it took- I'm, I'm actually tearing up. <laughs> you, you talk about it like so low key, like, oh, and then she was eating. I mean, <laughs> Nikki, there's so many people, and myself included, I woke up in my gut journey, I would wake up in the middle of the night in pain, yeah. having barely eaten anything for weeks, you know, very restricted oh, diet. Mm-hmm. And like crying. I would actually be crying. I couldn't tell if it was like the pain or the grief, but I was like, how can, yeah, like, no, it's right. And like, she was being tube fed, lots yeah. of pain, probably very yeah. weak. Yes. Um, and she walk at that point, she was oh. too weak. She was in a and then, and eight, you said 18 months. Yes. 
I mean, that's that could sound like forever, but it's fast compared to in a, to never getting better. Like, oh yeah, exactly. Oh. And so it was wonderful to see that process and to see the slow but steady um, development of a new relationship between her and her body. And I can empathize with that because I got fed up with my body not working. And I think you lose, I lost confidence in its ability to do the right thing. And I lost compassion for it. And I thought I was the only person in the world who was feeling like that. And, you know, all of those things are very difficult. So I could see her going on this journey towards gaining confidence in her body's ability to eat, to walk, um, to deal with her life. And, um, and that was just wonderful. And she's now at art school. So, I mean, she's always going to have EDS, right? Yeah. But, you know, she's walking, she's going out with her friends, she's eating. Oh, she's my gosh. I love what you just said. I lost confidence in my body mm. to do the right thing. Yeah. I, I mean, that is, I think that is so central to people who are like spending hours scrolling through the internet. Like, what is yeah. the one detox I need to like have my body get online? What's the diet I need to try that I haven't figured out yes. yet? Like, who's the practitioner I need to go to next? And yes. practitioners are helpful. I mean, that's why you exist. That's why we have you on the show so that we yeah. can guide or find yeah. new ways. But like, ultimately, like we are racking our brain out because yeah. the body is not does not feel like it is doing the right thing and yeah. your what your passion is and one of the things that you've kind of keyed into is how to restore that this is what's so special about you Nikki you have this um I mean and I think this comes even way back with your dance school and dance um you connect the physical and the anatomy with like this magical emotional aspect because that's what dance is right it's it's how do yeah. I move my arm in a very specific way and I need strength mm -hmm. and I need flexibility which is all technical and anatomy, but then it's also how do I move in a way that, um, that brings out emotion and is meaningful yes. and yes. even for the dancer might be meaningful and then it becomes yes. even more meaningful for the person watching and that yes. you like you've learned how to do this with the gut through craniosacral therapy as a tool meditation and and I know you even have like videos and stuff on how to do kind of this guts work that you started with like which yeah. is so hope-bringing to people well, that they can do it themselves. And I love the way you describe it. I've never thought of it like that, but it is like that. It really is. And um, yeah, I'm a bit speechless now. <laughs> oh, that's so funny. I, uh, oh, I love these conversations. So wonderful. Nikki, what I, we just jumped a little bit. I kind of transitioned us into resources. Tell us more about your resources. Um, do you have anything available that people can do to connect more with your work and potentially yeah. benefit from your all your wealth of knowledge? Absolutely. And so I have a YouTube channel, which is free for everybody. And I started that because I wanted to get the word out there. Because one of the worst things for me, as I glanced on just recently in our conversation, was feeling I was the only one in the world awake every night feeling like this. Yes. You know, without confidence in my gut being able to work. And you mentioned grief, you know, the grief. It's like, well, I've lost that. And you don't know whether you're crying because you feel sick and you've got <laughs> right. or, you, or because you don't see any way out and you've lost that healthy person. 
you know, it's horrible being isolated like that. So I wanted to put something out there that people could go on to and get information and some resources. So my YouTube channel is called Colon to Cosmos. Colon to Cosmos. If they, they just yeah. like Google that or put in YouTube. It will come, it will come up. So um, good. about five videos on it. I need to do another one. I'm going to do another one in the next week or so. So there's some on the gut and the immune. There's some on the emotional history <laughs> in the gut. There's one on the gut and um, anxiety. So there's diff- slightly different focus for each one. But yeah, people just go and find something that might be helpful. And I had a lovely conversation with my hairdresser the other day. I actually looked like a sheepdog until two days ago. <laughs> oh. Four months of growing and then that again. Hooray. But my hairdresser said she got very anxious at the beginning of lockdown. Yeah. And one night, panic attack, felt awful. And she just put her phone on and she was pacing, you know, and there I was on Facebook. I just put one of my videos on anxiety and it got her through and she relaxed. She went to sleep. Uh-huh. So that's why you do it, isn't it? Right. I know. I, I've actually looked at some of your videos and I want to go back now. And so I'm sure the listeners are so intrigued. Um, mm. I mean, the, the, even from your story. So you have your videos. I know you have a few other resources. What are some other things people can look up? So the other thing they can do, they can read my book, which was published last year called It's All in Your Gut. It's a great book, guys. Thank you. And the byline is let your second brain guide you to optimal health. So it's not a textbook, don't panic. It's got lots of information in it. And there's nothing wrong with textbooks. It's just, I'm not a textbook writer. It's digestible. <laughs> it's digestible, absolutely. <laughs> and why wouldn't it be? And it's written through my own personal story with my gut, but with all the information through it, lots of strategies and ideas. Because, and again, the idea of the book is so people don't feel alone with what they're dealing with so they can become empowered by understanding more about what it might be about and some things they can actually start to do. And you, I just remember this, and I feel like I want to share it. Um, You have people draw in there, right? Like you have this little circle and they draw how their gut is feeling that day. Yes, I have blank faces scattered through the book. So if your gut could make a face right now, what would it look like? It's so therapeutic. I mean, I would even suggest for listeners um, to do that. Like um, we did it in your, you had us do it in your class. Um, it's just, just a side note because practical things can be so helpful. Like to draw your gut, it's it's validating. It's also, it, it stimulates that artistic part of our brain that's trying to connect what we're experiencing with an expression. And yeah. and so sometimes yeah. I remember even in your class, some people, their gut did not feel good when they showed up. Mm-hmm. And there was this, um, it's how do you use it? Do you, is it? Is it dark? Is it squiggly? What's going on? And, and then when you draw it again after doing exercises and you see the shift, I felt like that actually on its own increased my confidence. Like, yeah, my gut does get better and, and look how happy yeah. it looks. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And for, so that, again, it's empowering, isn't it? it? Increases your confidence. Your gut feels listened to because you have to tune into it to draw it. And then it's listened to again. And we know the body loves to be listened to. So much. Um, it's like just our friends or our family. It's all about that, isn't it? Yeah. So your book is chock full of helpful, creative mm. resources like that. Um, I know you also have some more resources. 
I do. I, I also have what I call the tummy tracker journal, which is a little journal, which is each page for a different day. So then you have a gut face, a blank face, and then you can write what you ate, how you felt emotionally, physically that day. And it's just a quick note in a kind of handbag sized pocket notebook. So people can keep a track of how they are. And I know you can have apps on phones for your food, but I do believe in the process of writing things down is more helpful to us. Oh. I think there's research to support that if we actually write down, draw a picture, that helps us move forward in our awareness much more than clicking on an app. So it's the, this, in the embodiment principle. <laughs> yeah, exactly that. So that's there. And uh, lots of therapists now are buying those like 10 at a time. And then they sell them on to their clients to take and just go and try and discover emotional patterns, physical patterns, stress patterns, food patterns, and start to put it all together, really. Yeah. If somebody isn't, doesn't know someone who owns one of these and they want to buy it online, where can they buy it? Your book or the journal? Absolutely. So if you live in USA, you can go to the AHE website, which you'll probably put up. That is the the (laughs) I-A-H-E translation. International Association of Healthcare Educators. And you can get it there and have it posted out to you, both of them. Also, um, so if you're in Europe or in the UK, then you can come on to my online store, which is www.nikkikenward.store. N-I-K-K-I-K-E-N-W-A-R-D. Exactly right. Yes. And, you and we'll have get, the link in the show notes. Yes. So you can get them there. So it depends where you live in the world, which is going to be uh, best for you from the point of view of postage. But I also have, as you know, a lovely big poster on listening to the second brain, which I use in my clinic. I mean, I've got a friend who's a colonic hydrotherapist. She has it on the back of her restroom door for clients to look at whilst they're there. And um, it's a great place for starting conversations with people who come in Mm. about the second brain because it's an expansion of our work. It's looking at it from maybe a slightly different point of view. And lots of people look at it and they say, I had no idea there were so many layers in my intestine. It's so interesting. And so it just helps, doesn't it, to have something visual that you can then talk about or they can stand and look at rather than me just telling them in words. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. I actually have that poster and I have it in my office's bathroom. So just nice information while you're taking a break. So how can we connect with you further online, Nikki? So, uh, well, you can always connect with me, probably the best way is through my email address. So you can connect with me through my YouTube channel. You can leave me messages there. Okay. But also I'm happy for people to have my email address and you can put that in the notes. In the show notes. Yep. So that's great because although I teach this up-ledger course for people like yourself or already cranial therapists. I also do all kinds of bespoke training for colonic hydrotherapists, lay public, yogis, on how to work with the gut in that way to just, you know, expand people's ideas about it and give them resources and strategies. Can you do that virtually as well? Like, not, don't need to be in London? 
No, you don't. Um, I do online trainings and workshops. Yeah. Wonderful. Well, Nikki, it has been so wonderful having you on here. I mean, wow, what an honor. You are so full of information. You have a oh. gift in teaching. You have a gift in connecting the body with our emotions, which we now know is so helpful to the gut. And I really hope that our listeners benefit from being able to dig into your resources and just think about the body a little differently. Yeah, absolutely. Well, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you. Lovely to see you again. And if we can just help one person think differently and and benefit, then that's why we do it. Or at least have the emotional connection of the tears. (laughs) Exactly. Awesome, Nikki. Wasn't that an amazing interview with Nikki? I am so grateful that she was able to come onto the show. And I hope that you all were able to take away just a little nugget more of something you could do to continue on your gut health journey. If you are interested in finding a craniosacral therapist near you, I guarantee you there is one in your town or nearby. Just search the letters I A H P and find a practitioner in your Google bar. And it's usually one of the first or second links that comes up. We'll also provide a link in the show notes where you can click on it and go and find a practitioner near you. If you're having any troubles finding a therapist, use your zip code, but only use the first three numbers. That is my trick to finding a craniosacral therapist. If you love this episode, we have so much more coming down the line. Subscribe so you never miss a beat and take a screenshot and share it with a friend. I cannot count how many times when I tell someone I'm a gut health therapist that they say, oh, I know someone who needs you. So send that friend a love note to their gut with a screenshot of this episode and pass this podcast along to them. Other ways you can stay in the conversation is by following us on Instagram and Facebook at Better Belly Therapies. We love connecting with our listeners and it means so much if you drop by and said hi. And share with us what you thought about this episode. We'd love to hear it. And in the meantime, I'll leave you with my favorite quote. Miracles are immediate. Healing takes time.